Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. Cork's greatest hit. And a very good morning to you as we welcome you along to Wednesday's edition of Cork Today, the day after the budget. Your thoughts welcomed on the budget yesterday, 1850-333-103 or you can text or WhatsApp, whatever you want to talk about today, 0862-103-103. We will focus, not all of the programme, but we will focus some of the time today on the uh, budget and the government gambling on a massive budget spending spree and the hope is that it will save the country. There are two threats. It's not just the COVID-19 pandemic, but let us not forget, we also are facing into Brexit. We had the Finance Minister, Pascal Donoghue, unveiling an 18 million euro budget. And yes, folks, that is the biggest budget we have ever had in the history of the state. He warned of the invisible enemy seeking to wreak havoc on our lives. And I suppose the invisible enemy could be both COVID-19 and Brexit. Record-breaking funding was allocated to the health service. Major commitments on 2,600 hospital and community beds. There's also a promise to hire 16,000 new staff within the sector. And then in a move aimed at encouraging people to spend to help restore the economy. Pascal Donoghue pointed to the significant rise in household savings during lockdown and that was as he justified plans for massive state borrowing next year. The Minister said that the first ever budget, which of course jointly compiled by Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael, and of course the Greens were involved again, uh, was unprecedented in both size and the scale in the history of the Irish state. He said we have faced numerous difficulties since independence but we have never, ever faced anything like COVID-19. Business leaders welcomed string of measures aimed at propping up industries into 2021, including there's a payment of 5,000 5, euro a week for companies in tourism, hospitality and entertainment. They were all hit by COVID-19 restrictions. The budget also includes the biggest welfare package ever announced by an Irish government with increases in several supports for older and vulnerable people and those who are living in poverty. However, the government faced strong criticism for what was described as a Dublin budget. 
heard that before. It was the rural TDs. They were really infuriated by the rise in the carbon and the motor tax and they were citing that this is a Dublin budget because the rural TD is saying it is people in rural areas who are going to be more hit by the increase in carbon taxes. Some drivers of high polluting cars their motor tax is going to go up by uh, €50. Vehicle registration tax on new high emission cars also on the rise and of course the carbon tax from midnight last night added about 120 to the cost of petrol fill for a typical car 150 if you're driving diesel Uh, and we will be looking at the budget from a motorist point of view in a couple of minutes. So if you have a view on that, please get your comments or your questions in. The carbon tax, by the way, on gas, coal and home heating oil, that has been held off until next May. Now, in fairness, the same thing happened last year, but I think it's needed this year more than ever. That is to allow people to get through the winter months because so many families because of COVID-19 are out of work and are struggling and the last thing they need is an increase in their gas bill or in their home heating oil or in their coal that they buy every week so that's been held off until May If you are a smoker it had been speculated anywhere between 20 cent and 50 cent on the price of a packet of fags they went for the higher end price of a packet of cigarettes went up 50 euro and I'm told now it's about 14 euro now for a pack of the most popular brand of cigarettes. Then lots of different NGOs and different organisations working with vulnerable people coming out with their reaction and you know the reaction has been mixed but more on the positive than the negative I have to say trawling through the papers today Age Action for example said the government's budget choices did not include measures to protect the majority of older people who of course are living on a fixed income especially from the rising cost of energy now they are accepting that there was an increase in the fuel allowance but that of course doesn't go to the majority of older people. Inclusion Ireland they've welcomed the increase in funding for disability services but they've warned the devil will be in the detail when it comes to delivering on improving the lives of people with disability disabilities. Ch- the children's charity Bernardo's, they've welcomed what they said much needed funding to support vulnerable people but they say investment must reach those who need it the most. Simon Community said they uh, welcomed the increased funding in the Department of uh, Housing. It's a record 5.2 million euro has gone into the Department of the Housing again. The devil will be in the detail there uh, to see how that gets broken down. And then the 10 million that, that oh, sorry, the 100 million that was given for services for people with disability, that's been welcomed by the Disability Federations. That They say the 100 million euro attempts to address the extra disability related COVID-19 costs and keeping existing services going. National Youth Council, they are, they represent more than 380,000 young people. They've warmly welcomed the budget and in particular the addition of 5 million euro in funding for youth services and then the Society of St Vincent de Paul who certainly work with the most vulnerable in our country. They have welcomed increases in the living alone allowance. They welcome the increase in the fuel allowance and also the the targeted supports for children. The budget has provided a little 
uh, or has provided little to prevent escalation in poverty or growing in inequality. So while they're welcoming some, Vincent de Paul, I take it from that, is saying they could have gone further. Now, already getting some of your comments uh, in. A listener has been on to say, Hi, I'm from West Cork. I was listening to Budget 2021 with interest yesterday and it was mentioned that you can work when you're getting the unemployment COVID payment. Can I get some more information on this, uh, please? Do you need to work for a different employer or when you, my workplace opens again, will I still be able to claim the POP payment, as it's called, the COVID payment. Um, I really would like some clarity on this. OK, the, what was announced yesterday is for self-employed workers uh, only. Self-employed workers will be allowed to claim the pandemic unemployment payment while still earning some money. Self-employed workers will be able to earn up to €480 per month or €120 a week. And they can do that while still hanging on to their COVID-19 welfare payment. It's designed to help those who are employed in sectors which have been impacted the hardest by the pandemic. And when work becomes available, some are in a situation where they can't take up the work because they're afraid that they're going to lose their COVID-19 payment. I know taxi drivers is one group, for example, that have been really affected by the pandemic. They would be self-employed. So the idea would be a taxi driver mightn't get a lot of work say Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday or Thursday but might be able to pick up some work on Friday and Saturday well then they can go out now drive the taxi and earn as long as it doesn't go over €120 a week and they'll still hold on to their COVID payment and I also heard it's going to particularly suit musicians or people working in, in the entertainment field which basically has was the first to close down when the pandemic hit and certainly will be the last. That's the industry that will be the last to reopen. But some of those musicians, for example, might get an odd gig. You know, they might be maybe asked to sing at a wedding, for example, where they might only earn €120 and they might just get one gig and might get anything for the rest of the week or for the rest of the month. So it's for people like that. So it's only for self-employed people. So that listener in West Cork, so I don't know from your text if you're self-employed or not, but if you were self-employed and you're on a COVID payment and you're able to get some kind of work as long as it doesn't go over those figures that I've mentioned, €120 a week or up to €480 a month, you can earn that while still hanging on to your COVID payment. And then another listener says, Trish, just wondering why college students are getting €250 each that was announced in the budget yesterday. Do they really need it? The majority, says this listener, are getting a Susie grant. They don't have fees. Many of them are living at home at the moment. Uh, So what's the grant being used for? Only shopping and are drinking. They get that once a month. The homeless services deserve money, not those not those, nothing against students, but I think the money could have been put to better use. Now, what this listener is talking about was the announcement yesterday that every full-time third-level student is in line for a state payment of €250 Euro in the current academic year. It's a €50 million Euro COVID-related assistant funded top-up. So, how the 250 has come up with, they reckon that there are 
200,000 full-time students in third level so the 50 million gets divided between them and they'll each receive 250 euro. Now final decisions have yet to be taken on how the money is going to be allocated but discussions at the moment uh, it seems are focused on a top-up for the people who get the SUSE grant. They'll get a top-up of 250 euro and then for others it will be a partial fees rebate for the other students but it's 50 million euro has gone into that particular package for students and they'll each get 250 euro our listener no name on that text feels that money could be better better spent now I imagine students listening would disagree and say no they need the money they're finding it really difficult a lot of the students for example who in previous years would have got a part-time job their jobs are not there so they need the money more than ever but others I think will agree with that listener and say what will the students what will students do with the 250 euro they'll probably spend it on another house party 1850 John Paul and Sadie are taking your calls you can text our WhatsApp to 0862 103 103 thanks to Eddie and Ovens who pointed out that when I was talking about the increase in the price of a pack of cigarettes they went up for midnight last night by 50 cent not 50 euro a pack my apologies I think I got so excited when I was looking at the 17 billion euro that was spent yesterday I was in more euros than cents so just 50 cent on the price of a packet of cigarettes thank you Eddie uh, for pointing that out to me Okay, some of your calls and texts did child benefit increase in the budget uh, yesterday no it didn't the core social welfare rates all remained unchanged the only increases all the relevant all welfare recipients who are entitled to the Christmas bonus that is going ahead 100% of the weekly payment and as we forecast yesterday it does include anyone on the pandemic unemployment payment who have been on it for at least uh, four months the living alone allowance that has been increased by €5 and the fuel allowance has gone up by €350. But everything else remains, all of the other social welfare rates remain unchanged and that includes, if you include child child benefit in that, so no, that didn't increase. Hi Patricia, when is the €3.50 fuel allowance coming in? Okay, Uh, I've got John Paul checking this out. The fuel allowance will increase by €3.50 a week to €28 a week from January the 1st 2021 and then it gets paid out the fuel allowance gets paid out from it's the winter month so it'll be next winter but but they're saying from the 1st of January 2021 it goes to 19 oh so it'll, it'll come in, in the middle of this winter uh, okay so the living alone it gets paid until March okay so the living so the, the fuel allowance from the 1st of January and the living alone allowance include, increased by 5 euro a week and that's also going to be paid from the 1st of January 2021 so that's going because normally any of these increases don't kick in or in recent years haven't kicked in until May but they're kicking in on the 1st of January and the living alone allowance goes from €5 to €19 and the carer support uh, carer support allowance which I think everybody calls the respite grant it's, even though nobody's buying respite anymore because there's no respite available but I think that's what people refer to it as that increases by €1.50 a week and that gets paid in the first week of June so that'll get paid uh, in the first week of June next year but the other increases from the 1st of January 20. 21, so next January. I think people will be happy uh, to hear about that. Hi, Patricia. It's time. This is on. Is it? Well, it's kind of budget, but it's COVID related as well. Patricia, it's time for this government to consider using some of the millions that they allocated in yesterday's budget to set up an infectious diseases 
Hospital if they're planning to continue treating non-COVID patients simultaneously. During an essential visit to a city hospital yesterday, everyone was instructed to please vacate a certain area as a COVID-positive patient was being transported down the corridor. This surely is a breach of the poor patient's confidentiality and an anxious time for all the non-COVID patients already stressing about having to enter a hospital environment at the moment. My goodness, my goodness. And I know some other countries who have invested over the years a lot more in their health services have done just that. They literally have COVID-only hospitals so that when somebody else is going to a hospital, you go to a non-COVID hospital. Now, I know people will say, but you don't know if you've COVID or not. Absolutely. But there are some countries that are only treating all of the COVID patients together. But I could absolutely understand how, what an anxious time that would be for everybody because that listener is right. We've heard from so many listeners to this programme who have a hospital appointment who were fearful about going and we were encouraging people to please go because we know that anyone that has been along to a hospital appointment will say that the hospitals are really doing the very best that they can to make sure that everyone is safe and when you go into a hospital or even if you go into a GP everybody has full PPE gear on you know so everybody's really bringing their A game but people do get very stressed without somebody coming out and announcing can you all vacate this area while a patient who is COVID positive needs to be transported through I can I could just sense the tension that would be in that area of the hospital for sure. 1850 333 103. John Paul and Sadie are taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Or today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 0862103103. And when we've been mentioning that it's the biggest budget ever in the history of the state and talking about how 17 billion euro was spent yesterday, Dan said, let us not forget that the banking crisis cost this country up to 220 billion euro. So the 17 billion yesterday was a drop in the ocean. Now yesterday's budget was flagged as a budget that would not be too kind to motorists. So to talk us through what was announced yesterday and how it will affect drivers, I'm joined by Barry Aldworth of the AA. Good morning to you, Barry. Good morning, Patricia. Now, Barry, in your pre-budget submission from the AA, you spoke about how Irish fuel is super taxed. Well, as in from midnight last night, carbon tax has increased. What's that meaning for the motorists? And are you very disappointed? I I think disappointed is a good way to put it. I think this is one of these kind of areas where there's almost a bit of PR spin by government. If you call something a carbon tax... It's very difficult for someone to come out and argue against it without being kind of seen to, you know, argue for an outdated view that climate change isn't happening. Climate change is happening. We know that. We know we need to address it. However, I cannot agree with government that we are best served in tackling climate change by making it more expensive for a teacher to get to their place of employment, make it more expensive next winter for an 89-year-old widow to try and heat her home on the coldest days of winter. Call something a carbon tax is one thing. Will that tax actually do anything for the climate? I don't believe so. I think it's one of those kind of nice little measures that you do and governments will clap themselves on the back and say, look, we've done something great for the climate when you actually haven't. 
Because so I heard because I heard Michael McGrath say that the carbon tax was not designed to raise uh, money revenue for the exchequer, but will be used to reduce our carbon footprint. And look, I, I agree with Michael McGrath trying to achieve that. However, I think look, not just this government, previous governments as well. They they have had an exceptionally high rate of tax on fuel for a long time. And we, we have heard this for a long time of it's being used for this, that and the other. And really, we haven't been seeing that delivered. If you look at the current uh, per litre price of petrol, little under 70% of what we pay at the pumps is made up of tax. And that has been the case for a long, long time. Even during the worst years of the recession, approximately six cents per litre in emergency taxes were added to both fuels. And at the time, people understood that. They were told, look, this is a a response being brought into in response to the recession. It's an emergency. Now we're being told, you know, at least pre-COVID that you know recession era was over, and those taxes were allowed to live on. So I think people understand the need to move towards a greener, more clean form of transport and commuting. And I think some of the met- some of the ideas introduced in yesterday's budget, like the VRT change, will help assist that. I don't believe that increasing people's day-to-day living costs. Will yeah, because I saw some of the rural TDs, I mean, particularly infuriated by the rising carbon tax and some of them describing it as a, as a Dublin budget and, you know, making the point that, OK, if you're living in Dublin and you want to park up your car or if you want to survive without a car, you probably will be able to do it because there's good public Transport, but if you're living in the wilds of the Beira Peninsula, or the Mizzen Peninsula, or across the border in Kerry, or in a very rural area of North or East Cork, your car isn't—it's not a luxury; it's a necessity. Absolutely, there's many, many people across this country who, in order to remain in employment, they need access to a car, and they're now being punished for that. And look. It's not this government alone that has dropped the ball on rural public transport. It's been a long history of governments refusing and reluctantly investing in rural public transport. But the rural TDs are right in this. Many people having access to a car is their main or indeed sole way, depending on where they live in the country, of having access to employment. So again, increasing their cost doesn't accomplish a whole lot provide those people with alternatives and we have seen that they will use it. If you look at the success of Lewis in Dublin or improved bus networks anywhere that they have been introduced, if you give people viable alternatives, they will use them. They will jump at the opportunity to use them. If you just increase the cost of driving around without providing them with an alternative, people will just pay that additional cost. We have seen over the years fuel prices go as high as 150, 160 and people continue to pay it because they don't have a viable alternative. Increasing the tax on fuel, which will result in a one or a two cent to three cent increase in fuel prices, isn't going to make anyone think, maybe I can do without the car. Give them an alternative to the car and then they'll look at, do, at, at, at reducing their car well use. Said, well said. Now, there were changes uh, to, and you mentioned it, to the vehicle registration tax, VRT, and there was also changes uh, to car tax. You're broadly welcoming both. Can you explain what the changes are? Yes, so with VRT, this is essentially a change to the ban system designed to encourage people towards lower emitting vehicles and particularly towards EVs when they are purchasing a new car. 
And again, that's a good idea. We know that we need to reduce our carbon emissions. We know that we need to encourage people to look at lower emission vehicles and particularly look at EVs in the future where it's possible for them and where it's suitable for them. So encouraging people away from high emission vehicles, that's the kind of step that you know government needs to take in response to the climate challenge that we face. And then similarly with the CO2 emissions change, this is essentially a change in the testing method that was used. So there was previous method used by uh, use for emissions ban testing in Ireland, somewhat outdated now. So this new method will produce a more accurate results. And as a result, again, there's going to be a change in carbon emissions taxing for new vehicles in the future. Won't affect, according to governments at the moment, anyway, anyone whose car was purchased under the old emissions testing. You will still be taxed based on old emissions. So it is something which really, this is the kind of measure we needed to see in the budget. Something that was going to say, look, people need a car, but we want them to buy, to buy cars that are going to at least not damage the environment any further. But there was a time when the government were encouraging all of us to buy diesel cars. And now suddenly they're saying, oh, sorry, that's, we got that one wrong. Absolutely. I mean, look, government is not infallible. People make mistakes and... The best advice at the time was to encourage people towards diesel cars. In hindsight, we now see that was a mistake, and governments are trying to respond to that and rectify that. So introducing measures now that will incentivize low-emission vehicles, electric vehicles, will work. I believe that people responded to the efforts to incentivize diesel in the past, and they bought diesels. People will, I'm sure, respond to this and buy certain cars off the back of us. But as you say, people previously bought diesels on government advice you can't turn around and punish them for that now yeah. I do believe governments are being sensible in that that they're not going to try to retroactively change your emissions bans but we, it is something that certainly we at the EA will be keeping an eye on It would seem very unfair Bob in Douglas has a diesel car he was hoping for the announcement of some kind of a scrappage uh, scheme he said if he got a scrappage scheme it would encourage him to buy an electric car was there any mention of a scrappage scheme yesterday? No, and I think that's one thing that, you know, certainly we had called for in our pre-budget submission, and I think it's a missed opportunity by government. I know that the tax advisory group looked at us and didn't recommend following through with us. I think it's a mistake. I think one of the problems we will face over the next few years is when, on one hand, you are making driving more expensive through additional carbon taxes, people are going to struggle to save to buy a new car. And particularly when they're looking at potential changes in the VRT as well, it will lead to some people think, you know what, I can keep my car on the road for another couple of years. I'll worry about changing down the line. Whereas if you had introduced some form of a diesel to electric scrappage scheme and told people, if you are trading in a diesel over X years of age, we will give you a certain amount off of an EV to get your diesel car off the road. I think people would have really responded to that. So I think it's a missed opportunity in Budget 21 for government. I'm hoping, you know, Budget 2022, they might see a little bit more sense They might look at, look at it again. I mean, I think everybody knows electric cars are the way to go. But Barry, are they just simply too expensive for people? I think that's, that is one of the two main problems we face with electric vehicles in Ireland. There's two kind of main concerns people express time and time again. Number one is a concern around effective range. Now, that's somewhat being addressed by the technology and somewhat being addressed by government investment in 
electric vehicle charging points in a nationwide level. So the technology is catching up and while we're not quite there yet with the charging infrastructure, it is improving. The other point people bring up time and time again is the upfront cost. Yeah. Now, the change in VRT will somewhat close that gap. And certainly we know if you look at EV use over the course of the car's lifetime, the upfront cost tends to be balanced out by the reduced day-to-day costs. But I think, again, this is where a scrapper scheme would have helped lower the upfront cost, and I think people will be more likely and more susceptible to making that change. Yeah, and and are we getting on top of not having enough charging points around the country? You, You hear people constantly talk about that. Yes, so it is something that in the last budget from uh, from 12 months ago government did uh, uh, government did approve a significant amount of investment in the EV charging network it's an ongoing process i think unfortunately it's another thing that has been somewhat slowed down by covid but the the government and the ESB are doing some great work on that the infrastructure continues to need improvement and needs to be worked on we're by no means there yet i do think there is somewhat at a government level an over-reliance on the idea that everyone could have a charging point in their house. Not suitable for everyone. If you rent or you live in an estate where you don't have a driveway, might not be an option. So certainly we need to continue to build up our public charging network. It's not there yet, but it is steadily improving. Okay. All right, we leave it there. Uh, Barry, thank you for that and thanks for joining us this morning. Thank you very much. Good morning to you. That is Barry Aldworth, Senior Media Officer with the uh, AA. Some of your thoughts coming in on the budget. Patricia, this budget once again has done nothing for the ordinary working person. Typically, social welfare recipients will get a Christmas bonus and us ordinary working folk will get nothing. Once again, we'll be the fools paying back all of this borrowing that they made again. Nothing for us new mums during the pandemic either. It is disgraceful. Uh, Working people came out with nothing yesterday. I suppose what could be said is at least they didn't look at the tax and take more from you in tax but I can sense your frustration and particularly when the children's allowance as as a working mother if the children's allowance the monthly child benefit had gone up you would have got something out of it but many people who are working feel yeah they got absolutely nothing yesterday 1850 John Paul and Sadie you're taking your calls you can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103 You're listening to Cork Today on replay phone and text lines are currently closed Cork Today on C103 Patricia with your comment 1850-333-103 Some of your comments coming in particularly to do with driving and the increase in carbon taxes which means that a litre of petrol and a litre of diesel went up immediately overnight and the push is is to try to get as many of us as possible to get out of the diesel and the petrol guzzling cars and instead get into an electric car but lots of people pointing out the cost of electric cars Somebody else says how much does it cost to replace the battery in an electric vehicle. It's a frightening prospect. They seem to be very expensive and I don't know much about electric cars as to how long they last but I know whenever I look into the cost of electric cars it's one of the things that's cited is the replacement battery is really expensive. Thank you for your text. Tim in Bandon. The majority of people simply won't be able to afford an electric car. Won't there be more pollution produced to charge electric cars anyway. The motorist always seemed to be the one 
who gets uh, penalised. On carbon tax, good morning, uh, Patricia. I have to say that if you look around the world and see places that are being bombed and the carbon that that causes, is anybody talking about that and all the other things that are going on in the world at the end of the day? Ireland has a very small carbon footprint, says uh, Heidi. Another texter says, our carbon problem is heavy industry, airlines, coal-powered plants. Not somebody going to mass or somebody going out to do their bit of shopping on a Friday. Where's the carbon tax on the causes of the problem? All right, they can't go after that problem because that would affect the rich. Instead, they put charges on people to affect the ordinary people of this uh, country. 1850-333-103. John Paul and Sadie are taking your calls and it was the biggest budget in the history of the state. The government borrowing millions to meet the cost of Covid and Brexit and to talk us through some of the highlights of Budget 2021, I'm joined by our political correspondent, Sean Defoe. Good morning to you, Sean. Morning, Patricia. Sean, there was nothing announced yesterday that you didn't know about, was there? There was no surprises. Very few, very few <laughs> surprises. We kind of had, a, our leaks were good sources this time around and we, we got them. So uh, just, I think, some of the detail around it. So some of the bits around carbon tax, for example, confirming that that's actually going to rise every year by 750 out until 2029. Uh, little bits of funding here and there, you know, the dump kettle interchange, for example, the things we expected but got confirmation on, but largely, largely leaked. But a budget like we never saw before and hopefully we'll never have to see again. Yeah, well, that's it. And it'll be interesting to see how budget uh, 2022 goes and where we'll be um, uh, financial-wise then because as Michael McGrath pointed out last night, €20 billion Euro in borrowing this year, probably another €20 billion borrowing next year. Add that to the national deficit. It is an absolutely massive amount, the biggest budget in the history of the state. And, and a weird one in that I imagine there'll be a lot of people waking up this morning, particularly if you're lucky enough to have kept your job over the last couple of months, saying, well, there's actually not a massive amount in there for me. It's not going to change anyone's life overnight. But where it has been focused is towards the businesses who are potentially on the verge of closing or are going to find the next few months very difficult, the people who may find themselves most vulnerable, ensuring that the pub payment continues and wage subsidy scheme continues. So an awful lot of money in many ways to stand still. Uh, and uh, if I was to find one criticism, I suppose, it would be a lack of some a spark of imagination of something that is a little bit um, uh, different or a, a little bit left field that could have been brought to benefit people. Yeah, thinking outside the box slightly. And also, when you're listening to the opposition, uh, who always have a field day, obviously, on Budget Day, but one of their main criticisms was where's all this money going to come from? Yeah, exactly. And uh, look, there's there's a, a complicated answer to a simple question in that sense, if you like. And I did put this to Michael McGrath last night at his final press conference. It, we have to borrow the money at the moment, they feel, in order to not slash and burn, just, you know, raise income taxes to cut other uh, services, which would only deepen the recession that we are having, as Pascal Donoghue put it, into a potential depression that could be reminiscent of what we faced 10 years ago, and absolutely no one wants that. But there's no such thing as free money, even though they can borrow it at uh, almost zero interest rates, and in some cases money lended at negative interest rates, and it, it will eventually come due, and there comes a time where you either have to, as a nation, refinance that or, or pay it back. Um, and so that if that is going to be added to our national debt, we are as a country going to have to pay it, every one of us, me, you and everyone listening at some point in time. But they feel, look, we borrowed what we borrowed in order to keep things going, in order to lessen the pain of this particular recession. And if it does drag on longer than we think, then that's maybe what that has to be looked at. 
And I think the one that we're certainly getting the most commentary on from listeners this morning is the increase in the carbon tax, but probably because that's the one that's going to affect the most people. Yeah, that's the one that everyone is going to feel in their pockets. Um, I, I saw a lot of people do the run to fill up at a petrol <laughs> station near me last night before it came to midnight. Um, and the, the cost of cigarettes as well, of course, going up by 50 cents. People going in and buying a few boxes of them to try and get their money's worth. Um, but that is the one that people are going to feel. It's 150 on a tank of diesel, 130 on a full tank of petrol, about 90 cents in a bag of coal, 20 cents in a bale of briquettes, and of course, home heating oil as well. Some of that will be offset for the very most vulnerable who get the fuel allowance. There's been an increase in that as well as the living alone allowance. So there's kind of targeted supports there to try and make sure people who will really feel this, if you like, um, are, are, are not going to feed it as much. But also, and as I mentioned at the start, this is going to happen every year. This is the way that Ireland is going, the way the world is going in trying to get towards net neutrality by uh, carbon net neutrality by 2050. Every single year we're going to have that same increase now for the next nine years of this entire decade. So get, so you, get used to it is what you're saying. Get used to it. it exactly, yeah. It, it's going to happen. It's now, it's going to be inescapable. And one of the other things I would say, because obviously, look, the play is to move us all towards more efficient cars, hybrid, uh, electric cars, and there seems to be an awful lot of stick for relatively little cars. The changes to the VRT and to the motor tax are going to affect people with big polluting cars as well and benefit people with low emissions. But that's also coming as the VRT relief for electric cars is going to be phased out. So it's actually not any cheaper today to buy an electric car than it was yesterday. And I think that's probably one of the missed opportunities that the opposition talk about, that if you do want people to make that move, people who, let's face it, electric cars are expensive. I don't have the upfront capital to buy one. I'd say a lot of people are in the Mm. same um, scenario to go out and buy a new electric car. And the used market for them isn't great because the battery life on those uh, doesn't have the range that a lot of people will need. So I think that, that might be an area where the government's missed out here. Okay, yeah, and the AA saying the same thing. We were just speaking with the the AA Ireland, and that's something that maybe, maybe next year and in future budgets they look they look at. We also knew it was never going to be a giveaway budget that we were never going to have. Will we ever have glory days of the Celtic Tiger? We live in hope that that we will. So no social welfare increases. We didn't get the one for everybody in the audience, except the good news that the Christmas bonus remains in place. That's it, yeah. So there isn't the, the fiver across the board for pensioners and for everyone else that we've seen in the last few years. The trade-off has been the Christmas bonus for those who are on the pandemic unemployment payment. And for other social welfare payments, I think the good news on that, usually you have to be on it for 15 months uh, to be able to claim it. For this year only, it's going to be four months. So uh, that also counts if, for example, you lost your job in a pub, say, you came back for a little while when things were going good in July and August and then had to go back onto it. Uh, as long as you've accrued four months total this year, you will be able to get the Christmas bonus payment. And obviously the hospitality sector, which is non-existent for a lot of people at the moment, but the VAT rate coming down, there was a big call for that. There was a big big push for them. And there had been some question around the cabinet table of how effective that would be, because, of course, the VAT that rate only helps you if people are buying and people are staying and people are you know having meals there or whatever which in many cases they're they're just not which is the problem but certainly it will be helped and i know the hospitality industry had lobbied particularly hard for that so that out until the end of 2021 um which will hopefully help them at a time when many of them are on their knees okay and one final question does sean think not putting any uh, increases in excess duty on alcohol was a missed opportunity um, I, <laughs> I'm going to be somewhat selfish here and say uh, no. <laughs> I think there's a lot of people who have been buying the bottle of wine on a Friday to get yourself through this pandemic who are particularly glad. But uh, in seriousness, the wider thing, 
uh, was actually the thought on pubs who are already struggling, pubs and restaurants, to increase the tax on them and make it more expensive was basically the reason behind that. So they said this year, leave it alone. Uh, I'm sure it will be revisited. It's usually one of the old reliables along with cigarettes and petrol these days. Um, But uh, for this year, I think there will be a sigh of relief that the uh, bottle of uh, of Dom Perignon, maybe that you're going to not buy at the weekend, is no (laughs) more Well, go and enjoy your Dom Perignon. And uh, (laughs) thank you. And thanks as always, uh, Sean. A pleasure to talk to you. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Good morning to you. Bye-bye. That is uh, Sean Defoe, who is our political correspondent. 1850-333-103. This is Cork Today. Cork Today. With Patricia Messenger on C103. Cork's greatest hits. C103. But an email in from Nolene to say a mobile phone was found in Newbury yesterday. Now, unfortunately, it is damaged. So maybe it dropped out of somebody's pocket or somebody's bag. Uh, if anybody is missing their phone and was in the Newbury area yesterday, Nolene at uh, Matt Flow Engineering looking after your phone for you. Damaged, but obviously still working. 0222-21495 if that is your phone. Or you heard of somebody losing a phone yesterday. Some of your commentary coming in to a side, Patricia. Will the pensioners get the Christmas bonus? Also, will the ones receiving long-term job seekers allowance, will they get the Christmas bonus this year? I felt it was very badly explained in the budget uh, yesterday. Yeah, yeah. everyone who was entitled to the Christmas bonus, like everyone who got it last year, if you're still on the same welfare payment, yes, uh, you will receive it. But added to it this year, the reason the Christmas bonus is costing so much this year is the people on the pandemic unemployment payment, the PUP payment, the COVID payment, they are to receive it as well. And there has been some changes that, well, certainly if you're long-term job seekers allowance, you've obviously been on job seekers allowance longer than 15 months, you're okay. But up to previous years, you had to be 15 months on a job seekers payment to get the Christmas bonus. But they're changing that this year to in order to let the people on the COVID payment get it. So you only have to be on it for four months. But yes, pensioners, absolutely pensioners, getting their Christmas uh, bonus. Someone else says, how in the name of God will people be able to afford electric cars when all of our young couples are paying huge mortgages, many of them struggling to rear a family? And let's not forget the huge childcare costs. The Greens, I feel, are very bad for everyone, says this texter. Staying lots of people commenting, I have to say, on the price of what motoring and how motoring has been affected by yesterday's budget. Uh, Patricia, we have a government on about diesel cars. What is the spec of their minister's cars? They all seem to be driving around big flashy cars with two people inside of them most of the time. I feel they are being hypocrites. I don't know. We'll, I don't know if we can check how many of the government ministerial cars are electric. Hi Patricia, I was just so mad when I heard you say that students are to get €250 Euro a week and I'll stop you there. Students are not getting 250 euro a week. Students are to get a grant of 250 euro. A one-off payment is costing 50 million in total and it'll be divided between the 200,000 full-time students. But anyway, this listener said that's more than I get in my old age pension. I was short four stamps to get the higher rate of pension. God, isn't that galling? Uh, Still, students can get this money and not pay a stamp. We will be getting €3.50 more in our pension in January. That's obviously the fuel allowance you're talking about there. But sure, we live in a country and we have to have a car. It's not a luxury. It is a necessity. We don't have a bus service. So our €3.50 extra a week on the fuel allowance will be gone, plus more. And that's signed an upset listener. And the €350 you're getting extra 
Extra in January. Remember, you won't be getting that every week. That's just for the period of the fuel allowance. Liz says carbon tax is one cute way to tax us all. And then she also annoyed about €250 to students. Not happy with that. R in Mill Street says, Hi Patricia, I was listening to your talk with the chap about carbon tax and electric cars. That was Barry Aldworth of the AA. This budget is going to hit people on low incomes. A bag of coal is €20. That's something you can't do without. You have to buy it every week. As for electric vehicles, where are the charging points around the country, let alone the cost of the car initially to purchase? I really don't understand where all this is going, apart from hitting most of the working class in the pocket again. Thanking you. That's from R in Mill Street. Somebody else is very annoyed and says, what a shower. They cut buses and then they increase car usage and then they penalise people for owning a car. 14 million given away. Well, it was 17 million actually given away yesterday. Three raises. And I don't know, I'm assuming you're talking about pay increases to TDs there. I don't know. don't quite know what that is. Anyway, and then new. Now, this is so this listener says new makey uppy ministers and advisors costing 50 million euro for telling the same said ministers how to do the job they're supposed to be able to do. They're going to freeze the elderly and then on electric cars. Electric cars are so far pretty useless and expensive. I don't know many who can afford one. So now we get shafted again for doing what we were advised to do, i.e. switch to a diesel car by the same crowd. There's somebody very, very annoyed. Somebody else wants to know, can anybody explain why the GAA and the ladies football received millions. Every clubhouse in the country is closed and every pitch is cut by volunteers. I presume, says this texter, it's to pay all of the officials who are still claiming expenses. The GAA, at the end of the day, is an amateur sport. This money could have been held, could have been spent and put into our health service. And Tom says, there'll always be somebody to complain. If you gave everybody, or if they powers that be gave everyone a million euro yesterday you'll still have people giving out we're in hard times we just need to get on with it uh, so says uh, Tom to 1850 333103 John is in Castletown Roach good morning to you John morning, and you are declaring yourself a Fine Gael uh, supporter uh, yes. the amount of money that was spent yesterday you want people to realise that has to be paid back yes uh, the money that was um, uh, announced in yesterday's budget spend uh, is all borrowed money. It's not coming it's not coming from anybody for free and at the end of the day uh, people are saying we can borrow money uh, practically for nothing at this stage. But I put it to um, your listeners there if we didn't have a situation and we burned the bondholders when uh, it was advocated that we do say, uh, remember, we have a, a situation in this country that if you renege on your debts, you have a bad credit rating. Mm. If we had a bad credit rating, how many uh, uh, lenders would be willing to give us the kind of money that we can borrow at a very favourable rate at the moment? No, or we wouldn't. Or we'd be borrowing at very excessive uh, interest uh, rates for sure. And I think it was one in four euro yesterday that was announced has to be has to be borrowed. Uh, but it has to be borrowed at a time we couldn't go back into a really like uh, the budgets of the past when it was austerity nobody wanted that 
Well, no, I agree with you entirely. But I mean, we have two million uh, approximately working people in this country. We're going to owe approximately uh, $230 billion by the end of 2021. Now, if you divide that up by the working population, you can see the kind of money that every man, woman and child in this country uh, uh, will owe. And we have, to, we have to pay it back if it's borrowed money. There's no just thing as a free dinner. The welfare spend has gone to $25 billion. Health has gone to $22 billion. The rise in the Christmas bonus cost, uh, cost $70 million yesterday. There isn't an infinite amount of money that we can keep borrowing as a nation. So no, are, we, are you saying they were correct to do everything that they did or should they have held back on some of the increases and in some of the, what was announced? Well, I think there's a discretionary spin there from my information because, look, None of us know um, uh, uh, what the future is going to hold. I mean, it, Brexit is, is looking very serious. If we was going to be a no-deal Brexit, we are an exporting nation and we're very exposed if, if that's going to be the case. And uh, also, uh, GDP uh, growth is going to be very important going forward uh, because then it is going to mean our ability to fund the welfare uh, budget and all the other um, uh, departments uh, to, to provide goods and services for uh, the population of this country. And if our GDP rates stall or are negative, which they are at the moment, uh, what does that say about our future in being able to fund the extra borrowing that's going to be required to get us out of the, the awful situation we're in at the moment? And if Brexit occurs... Um, that is going to be a, a, a permanent cost to this country, uh, and uh, nobody knows. There is a discretionary budget there, um, uh, spend there, from what I can gather, of uh, two and a half to three billion. And uh, if we spend everything that we can lay our hands on, and we don't have um, a, a backup uh, fund to, to meet the problems as they arise, nobody knows what the future holds for the pandemic or the, the Brexit situation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, uh, as I mentioned, I mean, this was a budget like we've never seen before and hopefully we'll never have to see again. And we have the two threats looming. We've got, you know, what's going on with the COVID pandemic, but then we've got a looming hard Brexit uh, as well. Okay. All right, John, listen, thank you for that. And uh, you're making a lot of sense. And thanks for joining us on the programme. Thank you, Patricia. Good morning to you, John, in Castletown. Roach, a different John by text says, Patricia, everybody got money to tide them over well into next year. Sure, isn't it great? Nothing done to stop the root of the problem, i.e. COVID. We are all happy now. Sure, there's plenty of bobs there and there's always the cheap drink. I feel where they are gambling away with people's lives, throwing money at things and distracting people from the main problem, says John. The main problem being COVID. And actually, somebody was tweeting. I saw this... Uh, John Paul put this up. Now they're 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 tweeting it as some good news in the COVID nineteen Ireland hospital statistics. The number of confirmed cases in hospital having gone from two hundred and one to two hundred and twenty one to two hundred and forty in two days has fallen back to 236 this morning. 78 higher though than the week ago but hopefully a positive sign to cling on to that they have dropped 
ever so slightly and there's 31 uh, people in an ICU bed uh, last night and they obviously are the sickest people and they are the ones that we most have to uh, worry about. 1850 Hi Patricia, there's some of your WhatsApps. Talking of taxi drivers and I mentioned taxi drivers uh, because of that what's been allowed now for self-employed people, they can earn up to €120 Euro a week and still hold on to their COVID payment. But it is for self-employed people only. The idea is it's for people who might get a little bit of work during the week, but certainly wouldn't get enough to enough work to rake to earn enough money to keep them going or enough hours to keep them going and taxi drivers is one of the examples that they were using that they might get a couple of hours work once or twice a week and as long as they keep it under 120 euro a week they will still hang on to their COVID payment well Jim says when you mention taxi drivers I know of a girl who had to get a taxi from Adair to Newcastle West and the cost was 79 euro which the actual journey then is about 15 miles now granted the taxi driver then would have to go back to Adair again but is this says Jim the average price for a journey of this size or has it become more expensive since Covid I'd be interested in what Cork taxi drivers would charge for a 15 mile fare says Jim Mm, does sound a little bit on the expensive side I mean I know the journey from Mallow to Cork is about 20 miles isn't it and the taxi and I've done that I've done taxi journeys where we've shared a taxi between uh, a group of us and it's been it comes out at about 60 euro 79 euro for a 15 mile journey does sound expensive but I mean if it's a taxi the meter would have been running so the girl in the car would have seen the meter ticking over so I don't know if any taxi driver wants to explain that has taxi prices gone up Since COVID-19, I have been in so few taxis, so I don't know for sure. But if anybody can can throw light on that for Jim, 15 mile journey and the charge was 79 euro. Is that a tad expensive or has taxi fares gone up because of COVID-19? 1850 333 103. Hi, Patricia. I'll be 66 years old in March of 2021. Will I definitely get my pension and it's signed a loyal listener? You will. You absolutely will. Up to yesterday, you wouldn't. You've had to have waited another year, but they've made allowances. They've put extra money into the Department of Social Protection and they're now going, having a commission, isn't it? Uh, a, a review of the state pension. And it was one of the pillars, in fairness, that Fianna Fáil, when they went into power, they said they would only agree to go into power as long as there was a, a deferral of the state pension. It was due to go to 67 from the 1st of January 2021, but it certainly has been deferred for 2021. That's not to say in 2022 it's going to go back to 67, but you're okay. You will pick up your state pension in March of next year and enjoy it. And Anne says, Patricia, any idea on how you apply for the €250 third level uh, student grant? I don't. And I tell you, I don't think they have decided yet because I know when I looked into this late last night to try to find out because I knew it would be a question that would come in. I was told final decisions have yet to be taken on how they're going to allocate the money. Discussions are focused if somebody gets a Susie grant there would be a top up of the Susie grant for €250 Euro. and then for people for people who don't get a Susie grant students who don't get a student grant they'd get a partial fees rebate because they would have already paid their fees and they would get a €250 Euro rebate on their fees instead. That's what's been looked at but there's nothing been decided yet so I don't 
there's no applying for it as of uh, yet and that's the 50 million euro that was announced yesterday which is going to be divided between 200,000 full-time students in third level education. Uh, it's been used as a COVID-related assistance fund top-up for students and it'll work out at about €250 Euro per that's for full-time students only. 1850 John Paul and Sadie are taking your course. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. C103 Jobs A multi-drop rigid truck has cam driver is wanted. It's for M&J Kelleher, their oil distributors in McCroom. While a dumper driver slash construction worker, that's wanted for work in the Mallow area. Fresh Fish Deli, they're based in Skibbereen. They're looking for production assistance. They're also looking for supervisors. And Dan Seaman Motors, they're on Forge Hill in Cork. They're looking for a service manager and a service advisor. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is... C103. C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103 103. Now, Family Carers Ireland, in a pre budget submission, called on the government to use Budget 2021 as an opportunity to demonstrate their commitment to family carers to see if that was achieved. I'm joined by Catherine Cox of Family Carers Ireland. Good morning to you, Catherine. Good morning, Patricia. Now, how are you feeling less than 24 hours after the budget announcement yesterday? Um, well, look, unfortunately, uh, we're not in a great place. Um, and actually, we would say that probably many family cares will come off worse out of the budget yesterday than they were before. And I suppose to explain that, people would have heard um, that there was an announcement that the carer support grant which is an annual payment paid to family carers of €1,700, that was increased by €150. Um, That will happen, but it won't happen until next June. Now, while we welcome any increase, obviously, in uh, funding, the problem is that payment is only paid to about 115,000 family carers. Um, And so there are about two-thirds of family carers who don't get it. So that's the first point. Um, And I suppose the second point is that we saw also yesterday an increase in carbon tax, which means additional home heating bills, motoring costs. So in actual fact, the increase in carbon tax will wipe out and, and actually will cost carers uh, more than what they got in the care support grant. And only one third of them got that, unfortunately. And home heating bills, Catherine, I take it for many carers because of the nature of who they're looking after, mm-hmm. higher than your average house? Oh, absolutely. And the other thing is the fuel allowance. There was an announcement of um, €3.50 per week increase increase in the fuel allowance. Again, it's welcome. But family carers who are on the carer's allowance, it is not a qualifying payment, Mean which means basically the carer's allowance doesn't mean someone will get the fuel allowance. So basically, they won't. most carers won't see the benefit of that either. And, you know, our big argument is that, like, there is a huge cost to caring for a loved one at home. We know that, as you said, in terms of heating, electricity, dietary needs, um, yet that was completely ignored in the budget yesterday. We had called, for example, for the income disregard for carers' allowance to be increased. So basically, that has not moved in 13 years. So a carer 13 years ago would have got more in the carers' allowance than they do today. My Despite goodness. the cost of living having rose, 
and only one third of family carers get the carers announced because of the means test. So, you know, to ignore that um, yesterday, we feel was so unfair and really, you know, family carers out there are feeling, I would say now, very bruised, angry, disappointed. And having said all of that, we absolutely acknowledge there were some good, positive announcements yesterday. They talked about an extra hundred million for disability measures. Well, can I, can I just say on, on the hundred million for the mm. disability services, I mean, I'd, I'd have a personal interest in this, having yes. having an adult child with uh, disabilities. Mm. I, I had to go back and look at it again. Like hundred million is a drop in the ocean, Catherine, for yes. what is needed just to get day services back up Absolutely. and running. Look, that's exactly the point I was going to make. So, so it's a step in the right direction, but what we're seeing at the moment is day services are only back at about 35 to 40% of what they were before lockdown. And bearing in mind, before lockdown, they were completely inadequate. So we're only back at 35 40%. I know the government is talking about getting it up to 60%. We obviously want to see it back to 100%, but completely understand how difficult it is to do with COVID-19. So, so what we're saying is, they need to look at this. They need to be innovative. They need to be creative. And most importantly, they need to talk to the families. Look at what are your individual needs. For example, they're they're offering day services in some parts of the country and no transport. That's like saying letting all the children go back to school and giving them no transport to get there. So the parents have to bring them every day and pick them up every day. That's not possible when some people are trying to work, have other family commitments. Yet they, it seems to be OK to do it for people with disabilities, which is so unfair. So I just think that yet again, family carers and people with disabilities are being left behind. It's as if you are not as important as other people like our, our pubs, you know, our, our shops, the arts. Um, have come out very positive today saying, you know, they welcome the, the increases in their budget and rightly so. But yet again, family carers and people with disabilities seem to be left behind. Yeah. And uh, again, to, in order to get the carers allowance, those few who are lucky, and I say in inverted commas, mm-hmm. lucky enough to get the carers allowance, that's a means tested payment. And again, a lot of carers don't get that. Absolutely. So, and when it, the means test, they look at, so say it's a husband and wife, for example, a child with severe disability. I have a particular carer in Cork, and I know she wouldn't mind me mentioning her. Brenda cares for her son, Fionn. At the moment, she's getting cares allowance, but she's only getting 66 euro per week because her husband is working, is doing overtime, is doing double time just to keep the family going. And so she gets just 66 euro a week for 24-7 care. How is that fair? Even when we look at the pub payments and, you know, and I heard people talking last night about how now they're only getting 300 euro and how difficult it is. And I'm sure it is to live in that. Try doing it with 66 euro per week. And, well, and we know value. we know Brenda well and she's actually joining yeah. us, funny enough, tomorrow on the programme. Yeah. Um, but it, the, the amount of work that Brenda has Absolutely. to put in. She's a, that, that girl is euro. exhausted some days when, when we're talking to her. It's she, just, she it's criminal. It's criminal. Yeah, it, uh, somebody's it asking about uh, respite and the need for respite and somebody talking about not having any respite since uh, March, heading towards burnout if I don't get respite. Was there any mention of respite in the budget yesterday? Um, well, what they did say is when they spoke about the um, 100 million uh, that they were putting in, they did say that that would be to get um, day services and respite services back up and running. 
So that funding is to go towards both. But again, like we we understand it's going to be difficult to get respite centres back and running, but they are vital for carer to prevent burnout, to prevent exhaustion, but also for the person with disability because that's their opportunity to, to get out, you know, to socialise as much as in as much as they can. So if they can't bring people to, you know, the residential um, respite centres, they need to look at what other options are there. And perhaps that's to bring people, our hotels are closed at the moment. Could we work with the hotel industry, for example, and maybe use some of the hotels and staff it with nurses, with, with people who could look after people and bring them there, perhaps. Like, everybody, we have to be creative, we have to be innovative, and we have to look, out, I suppose, outside the box about ways of supporting both people with disabilities and their family carers. But respite is vital, um, and that carer is right. Without it, you know, many carers face burnout, and then the state has to pay for the care of two people. So it makes economic sense as well as moral sense to support family carers and support the people that they care for. You're dealing with carers on a daily basis. Catherine, how are they getting on, particularly with this, the whole pandemic? Look, they are struggling, I'd say, mentally and struggling physically and struggling financially. We've had so many cases, I'd say, over the last six months of people just not being able to, to keep their heads above water. You know, they can't pay their bills. We had to set up a hardship fund because people were really, really struggling. We've we've started online counselling service again because people mentally are finding this so difficult. It has been the most challenging period for everybody in society, but for carers because they're caring for people who are vulnerable, maybe at risk from the, the pandemic. Um, you know, they're trying to keep them safe while also, you know, trying the best to look after their own health and well-being. And that has, it's really proving really, really difficult. We, we have a free phone care line just for people if they want to call, if they want to talk, just for us to listen. And that free phone number is one eight hundred twenty four zero seven twenty four. And we have Peter Cox, who is our care support manager in Cork. Uh, he's there in Tucky Street as well. And the centre is, look, it's, it might be open all the time, but Peter is still there still available to support people. Yeah. Um, reach out, Re- please Absolutely. reach out. And this one says, was there any changes on vehicle registration tax and the free car tax for disabled drivers? There's been a no. change here, hasn't there, to the way people have been accessing yeah. vehicles? <clears throat> there, there is. What happened is there was a court case in June and as a result of that court case, they've now suspended um, the primary medical search for disabled people. So, Basically, what that means, it's on hold. So I think anybody who are looking to apply now cannot do it. The, the, the whole project is suspended. We're saying we need to see that back. Now, it probably needs to be revised and rewritten because we've always said there are unfairness in how it has been done. But to suspend it and leave people without anything, the big worry is that this will go the same route as when they suspended the transport sports scheme back in 2013 and they have yet to bring in a new scheme. So today, when transport is such a huge issue to get people to their day centre, to their respites, now we're seeing a suspension of another support for people around transport. So 
we really need to see that back up and running. Okay, listen, I know you have a busy day with lots of interviews lined up, Catherine. We uh, appreciate you taking time out to talk to us. Thank you for that. And uh, thanks uh, for joining us. Good morning to you. That is Catherine Cox of Family Carers Ireland. 1850 333 103. We've got Sadie and John Paul taking your calls if you want to text our WhatsApp you can to 0862 103 103 Record today on C103 Call Patricia with your comment 1850 333 103 And I will get back to your budget commentary coming in thick and fast to the programme this morning but I want to move to a different topic because Mallow Farmers Market which takes place on a Friday in the grounds of the co-op Dairy Gold shop they're looking for new stall holders uh, to join them so they can expand the range of produce that's on sale every week. Sabina Hertzfield is one of the stall owners, holders and she joins me. Good morning to you, Sabina. Good morning, Patricia. You are very welcome to the programme. Now, what can you explain to listeners what range of items are currently on sale at the farmer's market in Mallow every week? At the moment, we've got the Baking Emporium. They sell lots of different breads and cakes. It's actually a German baker, and he comes from Dunman Way, from West Cork, every week. And then we have Stephen, the guy that sells the fish. Um, he is not there every week at the moment because he's got a couple of health issues, and we're hoping that he is well enough to be there every week again. Then we have John Crowley from Inner Shannon. He's selling the free-range uh, chicken. He's been there, I think this was the second week now. And then. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Here's myself with the jam and the eggs. And that's all we have at this stage. Okay, so what are you looking for? Who would you like to join you? Well, we would preferably like somebody that has some a range of cheeses, some vegetables, anything edible, really. <laughs> yeah, it would be great to have somebody with yeah. really nice uh, cheeses. And I'm interested to hear that, you know, you've got, you say, somebody travelling from Dunmanway, some, somebody travelling from Inishan, and they don't necessarily have to, ideally, if they're in the North Cork area, it would be great, but they can come from anywhere across Cork yes. City and County yes. to, to, to join yeah, you. Of course, of course. But I'm sure there must be people around Mallow that would be able to, to supply things like that. There must be people like that somewhere. And is there a cost involved in setting up a stall at the market? We have not been paying. It's 12 euros normally. Okay. But we haven't been paying that for well over a year now because the market has diminished. And they've they've actually been quite supportive at the co-op. They've not been charging us. That's good. That's really good. So, and, there's, and for people who don't know, there, there's a lot of space there for parking. It's very easy to get to the farmer's market. Yes. It is. There's no. There's no problem with parking at all. And how popular is the Friday market? Well, it's it's sort of up and down. But we've got most of the people that we have. They they come back every week. Okay. But if you had and I more, think it would be yes. It would be more popular if we had more stallholders. Obviously, they would be. It would be more interesting and more attractive. There's got to be some local farmers with vegetables, surely. There must be. There must be. We used to have Richard, Richard's little farm. He sells organic fruit and veg. Gorgeous. But he bailed on us because he, if I think he was doing better selling it in a different way. Yeah. He's supplying a few shops and, and that's probably why. Okay, it so anyone out there, ideally organic would be great. Anybody out there who've got vegetables and it's only, it's like one morning a week and what, what time are you open from? Nine o'clock. Nine o'clock. Nine to one, yes. is it? Yes. Nine, nine to one. So anybody out there with, uh, with that could supply vegetables and cheeses would certainly be a plus, wouldn't they? Oh, definitely, yes. We had somebody that, that supplied cheeses and olives and all kinds of interesting little goodies and he just vanished and we haven't seen him again. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so tell me about your own, your jam, jams and uh, what kind of jams do you produce? I make whatever I can lay my hands on that grows outside. Um, we are on this little one acre and this year I had a bumper crop of raspberries. Gorgeous. And uh, I made three berry jam because initially there were there was not enough of any one kind, so I just mixed them. And red currant jelly, rose geranium jelly, black currant jam, rhubarb and ginger, plum and apple, and I also had gooseberry and elderflower, but that's gone now. Uh, spicy plum chutney, apple chutney, lemon curd. And I've just yesterday made some tomato chutney. Wow, that's a great range. And and your eggs, chickens or hens? You've you've chickens, hens. Yes, I've got around forty-five. I've tried to count them, but I gave up. <laughs> <laughs> if, if when you first start off with chickens, you know exactly how many you have, but after a while, no. So yeah, I've got some chicken eggs, and I've got duck eggs. Free range. Yes, definitely. They're yeah. running around outside. And there's nothing like a fresh, free-range egg. 
Yes, and I never have enough to sell. <laughs> they always go that's very a, quickly. That's good. That's a, that's a good complaint to have. How long mm. have you been involved, uh, Sabina, with the farmer's market? Only three years. I thought it was longer, but it's only three years. <laughs> and has the pandemic affected the way you do business? Oh, definitely, yes. Because when, when that started, when the lockdown started, we couldn't, for a start, we couldn't get into the co-op parking anymore because they, I don't know what was the problem there, but they wouldn't let us in there anymore. So we stopped off, myself and, and the guy from the baking emporium, we parked at the adjacent parking. But of course, people didn't know that we were there. They thought everything has just completely collapsed now. Yeah. But eventually we were found and then we did it on orders only. People would, would order and we pack it up in bags and they come and collect. Yeah, click and collect and kind of thing, yeah. How we kept going, but you're at the moment back to normal as yes. normal, but with social distancing and all of that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, question on gluten-free products, Marie and Mallow. Do you do gluten-free foods at the market? Does uh, the Does the baker do gluten-free? Do you know? I think he has a couple of items, but yeah. I couldn't tell you exactly what. Okay, I'm C- not sure. C- uh, Marie, C- I know he does some. Okay, Marie, on, call in on Friday and check it out. He probably good, does. He, 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 he probably does. Um, OK, and I can tell by your accent, uh, Sabine, you're not a Mallow native. <laughs> where, oh, where have you come from? No smarty points for you for that one. <laughs> where have you come from? I'm German, but I've lived in South Africa for a very long time. That's and the that's sa- where I learned to speak English. It's, it's the South African accent I can, I can yes. definitely hear. How, and were, you were born in Germany, were you? Yes, yes. I left there with my parents when I was around 15. And then to South Africa? Yes. And then and to then, Ireland? Yep. Yeah. What brings you to Ireland or what brought you to Ireland? Uh, South Africa was not, it wasn't good to live there anymore. After a few thefts and burglaries and, and hijackings, you just think, no, this is not a place to be anymore. Wasn't safe. And my brother was, was here already with his wife. So they started nagging me to come and eventually I did. Is it, so is Mallow final destination? It is. I think so, <laughs> yes. Okay. Last stop. <laughs> OK, well, it's great to have you along. OK, so if anybody wants to find out more and if anyone particularly would like to take up a stall at the Mallow Farmers Market, how, who do they contact? They can actually go to the Mallow Farmers Market Facebook page. The Mallow, the far, the sorry, say that again. I'm, I was reading something the, on the go on, say it again. The, the Mallow Farmers Market. There's a Facebook page. Facebook, there's a Facebook page. Okay, yes. and and Marion from Oi wants to know: Does it have to be food? Can it be homemade items? Could you come along and set up a stall with homemade items? Yeah, I'm sure you can, as long as the the co-op doesn't object to it. I'm sure that would be all you, right. You could you could uh, check check in check in with it. And Nicola yes. says, "Hi, Patricia. What a lovely lady you're talking to about the farmers market. I have a load of ornamental pears. They're not good to eat, but apparently they're excellent for chutneys. She's welcome to them if we can arrange collection. Are ornamental pears of any use to you? Of course, I use anything, anything <laughs> I can lay my hands on. <laughs> <laughs> I, we will put you in contact with Nicola and we'll see okay. if we can arrange collection of the ornamental pears. And mm-hmm. so, right, thank you. OK, so listen, good luck with the, far- with the farmer's market in Mallow, uh, Sabina. And thank you for joining us on the programme.
Thank you very much for the opportunity. No problem. I really appreciate it. No problem. Thank and can you. we, uh, good morning, Jane. Can we give you a big shout out to all of the farmers' markets? And please try your best to support farmers' markets because it's, they, they are, because we're always talking about shopping locally and go to your independent uh, shop owners, but also your independent stall holders. holders. They really are important. And I know we've been talking a lot, uh, certainly since COVID, about shopping locally and how important it is to shop locally. And if you can go with independent stores, uh, please do. Somebody else was on though earlier saying, yes, it's great advice. Uh, it was Pat from Moises. It's great advice encouraging people uh, to shop locally. But Pat wants to put the shout out to business owners locally to get them to stock locally local items as well. Try to keep as much of the money as we can in the local economy. 1850-333-103. This is Court Today. Court Today. With Patricia Messenger on C103. Court's greatest hits. C103. Some of your commentary coming in before that, a question that I am able to answer. When is the COVID Christmas bonus being paid? Okay, the Christmas bonus gets paid. It's usually the first week in December. So whenever your payment is due, whatever day, you know, some people draw down their whatever social welfare payment they're on on a Tuesday, others on a Wednesday, more on Thursday, more on Friday. So it's whatever day your payment comes in or gets paid into your bank. And it will be, it's always the first week in December. So if you're on a one of the pop pandemic payments and you're still on it at the start of December then you will be entitled to the Christmas uh, payment but fingers crossed you could be back in your job and you won't have a need for that Christmas bonus from the government which would be a great Christmas present for you indeed. Now Christine Templeglanton says hi Patricia I can't understand why is it so important to invest in infrastructure in the times like we are going through at the moment and in order to try to boost the economy. Over the past few years, when the economy had recovered, the government refused to engage in such investment. They continue to tell us our recovery was fragile and therefore it wasn't the time for such investment. At least in that period, we appeared to have the capability of doing it. But now they are doing it when the country is deeper in debt with further substantial borrowing involved in a climate of financial uncertainty. Difficult to understand their contrasting approaches. If the investment had been done over the past few years, then the fruits of it would be paying off now, says uh, Christy in Temple Granton, who makes a lot of sense. And actually, Tim is making a very similar point. Tim says, I think the expenditure on motorways and roundabouts should be postponed and more money put into social and affordable housing. Both would be job generating and both would be meeting needs. I'm a non-smoker, but I can't understand, but I can understand the satisfaction the cigarettes give to an elderly person living alone or indeed with a partner. They increased at midnight. It was not much use putting five euro a week on the fuel that was 350, sorry, in the new year when the allowance takes a holiday from the end of March. If people are not living alone, then they're not entitled to the living alone allowance. So there wasn't much for older people is what Tim is saying. But he, like Christy, can't understand why suddenly we're seeing such an investment in capital spending. And I can tell you, in case you weren't going line by line through the budget yesterday, that 10 billion 
euro has been set aside in capital spending. That's was announced for projects right across the region. Now they include road projects such as the N56, where's that? In Donegal. The N4 in Sligo and the N5 in Mayo um, and the N22 and the Dunkettle Interchange in Cork. Now for people who go through the Dunkettle Interchange, they'll say happy days uh, for them. There was also 41 intercity rail carriages are going to be purchased and up to 600 electric carriages. That's all part of the Dort project. So they obviously are going to there for Dublin. But 10 billion in total in capital spending. So there's two and those two from Tim and from Christy came in almost at the same time, both thinking the same thing. Is it the wrong time? I think Christy's points, I have to say, are very valid. At a time when this country was doing well, I mean, we went through the recession and it was tough and we got through that and then the good times had started to come back and the country was doing well. No one could have foreseen a pandemic coming down the line for sure. But during all those years, whenever it was mentioned, as Christy said, the case in all oh, recovery was too fragile. No, not the time for investment. And now suddenly at a time when we have to borrow literally were borrowing Peter to pay Paul just to keep everything afloat they decide to borrow 10 billion in capital spending yeah it's it would make you kind of scratch your head and think what exactly what is the thinking and what is the rationale behind that thank you gentlemen uh, for your comments okay keep your questions coming in for Peter Dowdell please he'll join us after half past 12 today in the meantime, some other comments coming in as to how the budget and how people are reacting to the budget and how the budget will affect people. Somebody says, listen to this. I'm an old age pensioner living alone in the wilds of West Cork. What the budget did for me is to take away some of my freedom. You see, I have a little car. It's nearly 20 years old, but it's still in perfect running order and it's passed all of its tests. I'm not and will not be able to meet the new increases in petrol and in road tax, etc. My little car is my independence. I can do my bit of shopping. I can go to the bingo. I can go to cards when they'll all be back again. It makes me so sad to think about not being able to have that freedom to go where I want to go. And I'm sure that there are many other in similar circumstances. Isn't that really, really sad? And even, and I don't know what your circumstances are. If you're living alone, you probably are entitled to the, the little, the five or extra in the living alone allowance. I don't know if you're entitled to the fuel allowance. There'll be a little bit extra uh, for you, but it's offset straight away if your road tax goes up or it's offset straight away with the, because the price of petrol went up from midnight. And you're right when you say that you're sure you're not on your own. There will be many others in similar circumstances. That really, really is uh, tough. And while it was a budget where we spoke about 17 billion was handed out yesterday, there will be a large cohort of society who have come out worse after the budget. They're worse today than they were this time yesterday before the budget was announced. I mean, even listening to Catherine Cox talking about the carers and they certainly are financially worse off uh, because of what was announced yesterday. My heart really goes out to you. Hang in there though and hang on to as much of that independence as you can and hopefully things will get better and we'll get out of this pandemic and the economy will recover and people just like you, the government will be able to look after you. Joan in Mill Street says, Patricia, any changes in the medical card yesterday in the budget? Well, no, there was no change except they're doing what they said that they would do last year. 
in the budget last year we spoke about changes to the qualifying thresholds for people over the age of 70 and there was also they spoke about the reduction in the cost of prescription charges none of that came in but it's now coming in on the 1st of November so I don't know what age group Joan is but if you're over 70 Joan and you haven't got a medical card yet, yet or a full medical card it, it was announced in the 2020 budget last year's budget but they're committing to it now from the 1st of November they found the money to cover the cost of it those over 70 the means test for a full medical card goes from 500 euro a week to 550 euro and for a couple the criteria has gone from 900 euro to 1050 hasn't occurred yet but we're told now it's coming in from the 1st of November so that's the only change Joan so I don't know if that's what you're inquiring about or not but if it is the change kicks in on the 1st of November we were speaking about the pensions when somebody was asking about the pension age. Somebody's going to be 66 in March, wondering would they be getting the pension now or not or would they have to wait? And I told them the happy good news today that they will get the pension because they have held off on the qualifying age for the state pension. It remains at 66 for next year. And it was one of the things that Fianna Fáil had insisted on when they went into government that they would not allow the old age pension age to increase to 67 it was due to increase to 67 in on the 1st of January next year. And I then said when I was explaining that to the listener, but I don't know what's going to happen in uh, 2022. And that prompted Sheelan Kilworth to say, oh, Patricia, how I wish my parents had got a little bit friskier a little sooner. I'm an, a 1956 baby and I'll just miss, miss out on the pension again, says Sheila. Well, hold on, you might not yet because we're told that what they're doing is a commission on pensions is going to advise the government on any future increases. So we don't know what's going to come out from the Commission of Pensions. They may say, Sheila, you could be very lucky, start doing the novenas, start saying the prayers, you could be very lucky and the Commission on Pensions might decide to advise the government to leave the age that you qualify for the state pension at 66. We could even have happier days. They might bring it back to 65. So you don't know yet. So just don't be worrying about it yet. You might get it sooner rather than later, which would certainly be good news for you. Uh, Thank you for your text, by the way. Tom says, I'm a farmer. I don't see anything wrong with the carbon tax being increased as some of it is going to be ring-fenced for the new REPS scheme to enhance biodiversity and to improve water quality. But it must be prioritised, says Tom, for the low-income farmers. And it was one of the points that Michael McGrath made yesterday when they were talking about the increase in the carbon tax, saying it isn't just generating money for the Exchequer, that it's going to be uh, ring-fenced for climate uh, change. And part of the money, Tom is right, will be going into the REPS uh, scheme. Hi Patricia, I just can't understand why Micheál Martin doesn't want to go and lock the country down. This is on COVID. Lock the country down, go to level four or five. COVID is getting out of control. Yeah, the figures yesterday, another worrying day, 811 new cases. And was it 140? Did Cork have the highest number of cases yesterday? We even went ahead, I think it was 90 in Dublin and we had 140 here in uh, Cork. I know the Chief Medical Officer, Dr Tony Houlihan who had suggested we move to Level 5 last week, said we now have widespread community transmission right across the country. Said the spread of COVID-19 is a whole population issue which is why they're appealing to every single individual, every single family, every single household, organisation, workplace to act on public health advice. He said yesterday 
you are, that's all of us, we are the frontline defence against the disease. And then Dr Ronan Glynn, who's now gone back to the role as Deputy Chief Medical Officer, says if we see community transmission patterns continuing to grow, we're going to see more vulnerable people getting infected. And the result of that, unfortunately, is going to be further hospitalisations and further deaths. He said limiting your contacts, avoiding crowds, following the basic public health measures will ultimately save lives. And don't forget that NEFES, the National Public Health Emergency Team, are meeting tomorrow to review the national picture and the patterns of transmission. And the situation in several counties now is continuing to deteriorate. And the 14-day incident rate is still on the rise and it is rising in some counties higher than in others. And I have a funny feeling the 14-day incident rate for Cork is going to be one of the highest if we keep getting the positive cases that we've been getting over the last number of days. So Neffet meet uh, tomorrow and obviously if the cases in various parts of the county, the figures are rising and it is they're worried about it, then you know what's going to happen. They are going to recommend further tightening of restrictions, whether it's going to be nationwide tightening of restrictions and going everybody going into level four, everybody going into level five, or if they're going to do it county by county. I have a feeling it's probably going to be county by uh, county but we await to see what Neffet what comes out of their meeting tomorrow and then ultimately what they will recommend to the government and whatever they recommend to the government then obviously we'll get to hear about on Friday 1850 333 103 The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council Supporting businesses Supporting communities Serving Cork Visit corkcoco.ie And a reminder to you that the Mallow Penny Dinners collection is going to be held next Sunday. It's from 11 in the morning until 1pm. It's at Kylie's Car Sales in Mallow. Now they're looking for all non-perishable food items, but you can also make a cash donation or you can write out a cheque for for Penny Dinners. And Kildallery Community Development, they've got their annual, or it's not annual, it's their weekly lottery draw. It's on tomorrow, Thursday, 15th of October, four o'clock in the afternoon in the community office in Kildallery. And this week's jackpot is €1,200. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086-2103-103. And John says, Patricia, the €4 billion Euro extra for the HSE is certainly welcome. Let's hope this money is spent on frontline staff, i.e. doctors, nurses, cleaners, very important people in our hospital hospitals. Every hospital in this country, according to John, is full of admin staff and they're doing nothing trying to justify their uh, jobs. That's coming in from John to WhatsApp 0862103103. Can you keep your gardening questions coming, please? Uh, because we are going to go gardening with Peter Dowdle in a couple of minutes. But before we go there, I want to go to Pauline, who joins me on the programme. Good morning to you, Pauline. Good morning. You're putting a shout out to the cancer charity shop near Duns in Mallow. What's happened? Correct. Well, sadly, back in September, whilst donating some items, I inadvertently handed in two chains, um, gold in colour, one with flat links and a couple of other different types of links. But... More importantly, a long, slender chain with um, an open, an open um, pendant on the bottom, within which is a gold-coloured, um, gold-brown, round, semi-precious stone called a tiger's eye. 
Now, this was my husband gave this to me 50-odd years ago as an engagement gift. And all I can say is that if anybody out there has it and would be willing to return it to the cancer shop, I would be unbelievably grateful. And, of course, I will recompense and I will make another donation to the cancer shop. But I just cannot explain any more than that, just how incredibly stupid I feel and how... Uh, no, no, don't, don't, don't feel stupid. But you're sure you handed it in? It, it went well, in with other jewellery, was it? Well, let's put it this way. No, it wasn't other jewellery. But let's put it this way. I have the tidiest drawers, wardrobes, cupboards of any house in Donnerail. OK. <laughs> I, I have searched everywhere. Um, so, yes, and the cancer shop pretty well remembers it, although it was quite a while ago. OK, and they and it got sold. They put it out yeah, on yeah. display and somebody purchased it. Which, of course, is what they do. Yeah. And yeah. So, but it's just an appeal. It's okay. a desperate appeal and who knows. OK, and obviously an item that was handed into that charity shop, it gets sold in that charity shop. So it's somebody yeah. locally who goes in and we've got some fantastic charity shops uh, in mm-hmm. in uh, Mallow, uh, particularly that one for the Irish Cancer Society. It's a great shop. So if anyone is a regular shopper there and you remembered purchasing, in particular it's this one, the pendant with the tiger's eye, gold and brown. I think people will know that tiger's eye. That's It's a, it's a lovely, lovely a precious stone. Uh, so please return it because it was it was given in by a mistake. Okay, you've done the shout out, Pauline. We'll keep our fingers crossed. And uh, I have great faith in St. Anthony. Say a prayer to St. Anthony yes. as well. He's a great man for finding things. <laughs> Hopefully we'll get it back to you. Okay, listen, thank you for that. Well, I'm grateful to you. Thank no you problem. Our pleasure. Our pleasure. 1850 333 103. Column in Botovan says, my wife got very ill on Sunday last. He rang South Dock, who said they couldn't come out, but they sent an ambulance instead. He said he was uh, flabbergasted. What, did she need an ambulance? I wonder, Colm, did you feel she was that unwell? That does seem incredible that she was somebody who would be taken to hospital. But obviously, if she needed hospitalisation, I suppose they were, they were afraid and airing on the side of caution so they sent an ambulance instead. Now our senior news reporter Fiona Corcoran was in Court McSherry yesterday and she went there to talk with some of the business owners in the area just to see how they were coping with the pandemic and she was also asking them how they felt budget 2021 would help them. Like many coastal towns and villages, Court McSherry relies heavily on tourism. Staycations provided businesses with a bumper summer, but there's concern about the months ahead. Thank God we we had that. But as you see from now on, we have literally nothing coming in and we don't know what's going to happen for Christmas. But I'm really concerned for the next six months. That's Billy Adams, who invested a lot of money in the Court McSherry Hotel just before Covid hit. We had very good positivity at the end of 2019 where we, we got on the Wild Atlantic Way. And I went into the bank and I said, look, we're on the Wild Atlantic Way. I'm planning to open all year round. I need some money to invest in my business, which we've done up a new bar with a seven heads bar. Um, We had another outside area eating. um, And most of all, I was able to put more money into my staff and to get better, you know, to build a team with it. Um, And we did all that. And then this has just happened now. So I'm sitting here with a big loan over my head and um, with staff who are great and I just want to able to succeed for the next for the next three years. Hopefully we can just pull through it together. He's welcoming the reduction of VAT for the hospitality sector, but says for seasonal businesses like his, it might not be enough. I would definitely think we would need a zero percent for six months 
and then 9% for at least two years after that. So we can keep our people on the books and keep people working. Alan Kiley of the Golden Pheasant Cafe is also welcoming the VAT reduction, but is very worried as winter looms. Obviously, it's a welcome boost, um, but 9% on zero is still zero, as they say. Um, If we can't have people inside, uh, it's obviously going to affect our business massively. Um, Again, we're very weather dependent down here and to not have people inside again will just deter people from coming at all. A big attraction in Court McSherry is the angling and whale watching tours. And all, all the people that went on, on the whale tours would, would have spent money in the village, in the restaurants and uh, the cafes and of course the local shop. €55 million euro was announced for a tourism business support scheme while €5 million euro has been allocated for Cork Airport. Mark Gannon, who runs the angling and whale watching tours, is hoping these measures will bring overseas tourists again next year. Our angling business would be 80, 80% uh, overseas. You know, Muslim from uh, the UK, Holland, Belgium, France, Germany. And this year we had to just draw a line through all of that. On the 1st of July we just cancelled all our reservations for, for the rest of the year, you know. But like, you know, on the positive side, um, it's looking like next year, the same people I want to book again. A group of people came together here to set up a community-run shop and director Dennis Cahillan thinks this could be the solution to surviving the pandemic. We kept going and even one of the lads there in the shop told me yesterday, or yesterday before, he said he was in the shop and he didn't think there'd be anything happened. But yes, he was, he was amazed that there'd be two come, there'd be five minutes of quiet and there'd be another one turn up, so... We're taking over, all right, you know. This model could work in other places. Thanks to uh, Fiona. That community-run shop in Cork Mac is fantastic. Can I say hi to everybody in Cork Mac? It's a lovely, lovely spot. And I love the positivity while they lost a lot of tours this year. Please God, they'll all be back uh, next year. And my apologies also uh, to Colm in Butterfront who rang in. I, I just after seeing the tail end of the comment from Colm, and my apologies when I was reading it out, I only saw the top half. Colm rang us because his wife was sick on Sunday night, so he rang Southstock. Southstock weren't able to come out, so they said, look, we'll send out an ambulance instead. And he said what he was flabbergasted by was the fact that the ambulance arrived in Butterfant and then headed into Mallow, but went straight past the Mallow Hospital. And for people outside of the area, in order to get from Butterfant to go to Cork City, you have to drive past the wonderful Mallow General Hospital. And he said that's exactly what they did. And then he said later on on Sunday night, he got a call to say, can you come and collect your wife? She's fine. You know, whatever was wrong with her was going to be sorted out, but it would be sorted out at home. She didn't need to stay in. So then Colm had to get into the car. He had to drive into the city. He said he's not that familiar with the city streets, so probably a bit nervous about driving there and at night. But anyway, he went there and he collected her. But he said his big issue with the whole thing was the fact that she got into the back of an ambulance, his lovely wife, and then they drove past Mallow Hospital, which is a fantastic facility, new buildings, the whole lot there, and then to take a patient to Cork uh, City. He said it really made him mad. He said everybody's talking about supporting local and shopping locally, and yet we have local services and we're, we're not, we can't support them. It just seems crazy. Yeah, there isn't an accident, an emergency there. Unfortunately, Colm, and it would have been great if your wife could have been treated at Mallow Hospital and then she'd have been back home with you and you wouldn't have had to go to the city, but hopefully she's feeling better and well on the road to recovery. Kay in Mallow, just finishing up on the final few on the budget I feel they could have done more for old age pensioners particularly old age pensioners who also have a caring role Kay says I'm a carer 
on the old age pension. However, I only get a half carer's allowance because I receive a, a state pension. I think because you're old, you're punished. And she says that needs to change. Not everyone is going to agree with you, though, John, though Joan because John in Cove has a different view. He says there was nothing for the unemployed people in the budget yesterday. The only people that got anything was the five euro increase for the older people living alone. There's a lot of young families that could have done with that extra five euro a week. They should be looking after the people who are trying to keep food on the table and a roof over their heads. Now John says I'm employed myself so it doesn't affect me but they should take Now, this is going to infuriate some older people. John says they should take the free electricity away from the elderly people. The elderly people are too well looked after in our society. They need to start focusing on younger families. Now, John, you're going to upset so many older people who will tell you that they also struggle to keep food on the on the table. They also struggle. They mightn't have mortgages, but they certainly have other bills that they have to pay. So I don't know. I think older people will be very annoyed with you, John, to think that you'd be pitting one group against another group and look after young families, but take it away from older people instead. And Jim says it's wrong to give the students the €250 Euro payment. Jim feels it'll be spent on slabs of beer. Somebody mentioned earlier about student accommodation, but many students could be living at home. They don't have to go to student accommodation but they all decided to move out of home and go into their into student accommodation instead. Jim feels the old age pensioners got nothing extra, only those living alone and uh, yet he said the students are getting the €250 Euro, so if he had his way, he'd take it from the students and give it to the old age pensioners instead. 1850 Let's take a break and let's talk gardening with Peter Dowdle after these. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cork Today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Okay, let's go straight to Peter Dowder because we have a lot of questions coming in the irishgardener.com. Good afternoon to you, Peter. Good afternoon, Patricia. How are you? With the sun starting to shine and the forecast is good for the afternoon, so if you can get out and about, uh, do and get out and about in the garden. Straight in with questions uh, for you. Hi, uh, Patricia and Peter. I have two apple trees. I'd like to know how to prune them and what fertiliser they like. That's from Dennis. Okay. Well, what Dennis doesn't say, and it's kind of relevant actually to this, as to the age of those trees. So if they're new trees, in other words, if they're newly planted and they're kind of under 10 years of age, you're really looking at obviously enough formative pruning. Uh, However, if they're old, mature trees and and haven't been touched for many years, then you're looking at a thing called restorative pruning. Now, there are differences, but I, I, we could spend the whole program talking about it, and I won't. So uh, suffice to say that whether or which you're trying to create the same the same end result, you want an open bush centre to the tree. Uh, that is provided, of course, you're not doing anything specialist with it, like a spallying and so along a wall or anything like that. Well, presuming it's just a, a freestanding fruit tree, you want to create an open bush centre. So, it, it, again, whether it's a new tree or an established tree, the, the principles and the rules here, if you like, or the guidelines will remain the same, and that you want to you want to avoid any crossing branches. So when you're pruning it, and you're coming into the perfect time to prune it, actually, end of October, November is the right time. Um, r- remove any crossing branches because if branches are crossing, the reason you want to create that open bush centre is that you've good air circulation going throughout that tree. Because if you get the growing conditions right, you're much less likely to suffer from fungal problems like apple scab and, and mold and things like that. So good air circulation is crucial. 
if you have crossing branches, it's going to get very congested in the centre and then back to poor air circulation. And then you have the ideal conditions for the development of fungal problems. Um, also, if you have crossing branches, they'll rub against each other and they leave an open wound in the bark. And it's a bit like us fishing, you know, if we have a wound in our skin, that's where infection comes in or can come in if we're not careful. <clears throat> so that's, they're the reasons you want to prevent the crossing branches. You also want to reduce the overall probably height and width of the plant and you want to cut to what's called fruiting spurs. Now, again, it's next to impossible to explain properly what they are without showing you. But the, if you look at where the leaf meets the stem, these are called nodes. And you'll, you'll see if it's a leaf node, uh, and in November a lot of the leaves will be gone, but you'll see that the space between each leaf node is, is the same or similar. But then when you have these little swollen buds or swollen nodes, where you might have a cluster of three or four leaves coming from the one no- node, uh, they're the fruiting spurs. These very kind of, uh, how would you say, they're very kind of congested looking, if you like, and that's mm. what's going to be the fruiting spur. Uh, and they're the ones you want to keep. Um, the most important thing, as I say, is the, the open centre, crossing branches, open centre. Feed it, not at this time of the year, but feed it come next April, let's say, with a good uh, sulphate of potash or good organic tomato food would be what I would use then. Okay, hi uh, Peter. What do I do with my gladiola flowers? They're just gone. They grew very tall this year. Do I cut them back and then do I lift them? And is it the same for dahlias? That's from Joan. Well, going for this, very similar for both, but let's go with the gladiolas first. So they're a bulb in the same way as a daffodil is a bulb. So you let the, let the flower die off and let the foliage die off. Uh, let it go totally brown because that brings all the goodness back into the bulb, which is going to produce your leaves and flowers for next year. So let that foliage dry off first. If that has happened or when that happens, then you simply, with a secateurs or even it'll fall away in your hand, remove all the brown withered foliage and throw it into the compost bin, uh, lift those bulbs, store them somewhere cool and dry, let them dry out for a week or two first, um, and then wrap them in a bit of newspaper or something like that, store them somewhere cool or dry like a garden shed, with a view to planting them out then again kind of next January, February onwards. Dahlia is much the same. Uh, yeah, it's exactly the same, really. Let's, they're probably still flowering. Let them flower away. And then when the frosts really hit, that'll put pay to that. The foliage will go brown nearly overnight if it's a severe frost. Then you lift those tubers out of the ground. Again, let them dry out for a week or two. Uh, wrap them in brown paper. Store them somewhere cool or dry. Now, that's the, that's the textbook answer for both, Trish. Mm-hmm. I hasten to add, I am not that diligent a gardener and most of my gladiolas and dahlias stay in, in from year to year. Yeah. Uh, and they normally come back, but the odd year might be too wet or too cold and you lose them. Uh, the dahlias do tend to be more resilient. The gladiolas, they kind of nearly plant a few new ones each year. OK, and I have to take a deep breath. This is thank you to Anne from Bantry for this one. Crinodendrum uh, hookerani. Hookeranium. Yeah, it's a native of Chile. I have the above growing, says Anne. It's now about three feet tall. Can I cut the top off now as I'm trying to keep it low for a few years? I believe it grows very high. You see, it does. It's Crinodendron hookeranium, as you correctly said, is also much better known to, to most of us as the Chinese lantern tree. Aha, thank okay. you very much. So you've got the dark green foliage with these lovely bell-shaped or lantern-shaped, I suppose, red flowers. Uh, it's really nice. I'm, Shrub stroke, large shrub stroke, small tree. <clears throat> so when she's wanted to keep it to three feet, I'm kind of hesitating in my answer because you're really creating a huge maintenance issue and a huge job of work. If you want, like it, it, that's all about using the right plant in the right place. Okay, so if the crinodendron wants to get big. It wants to get to eight or ten foot in height, uh, and it wants to, to spread about eight feet as well. I mean, that's what it's going to do. So. The, the short answer to the question is, yes, I suppose you can take the top off and keep it to three feet. 
but you're giving yourself an awful lot of work in the years to come. Uh, I'd much rather plant it somewhere where it has the space to, to grow to its, its full potential because you'll never see it at its best if it doesn't grow to what it wants to grow to, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, hi Peter. I've got red berry holly in full bloom now. If I cut some off, how do I keep it fresh until Christmas? If I put it in sand, will it hold? It's very it's early, full, is it? It's not in full bloom, of course. It's in full berry. The full berry. In May, <laughs> but um, I'm, I'm being <laughs> pedantic. Um, I think it is a bit early, Trish. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the advice I would normally give if you want to, to store buried holly uh, is cut it now, or cut it rather when you when you want, uh, and into, plunge it into buckets of damp sand and then into, into a very, very cool or cold garage or something like that. But we're, what, we're about the 14th of October today. It's still two months two months and a bit to Christmas. I just don't know. Like, I don't know is the short answer, Trish, if it'll hold that long. The Plunging it in, in buckets of damp sand in a cold environment is the best way to store it. But will it last for 10 weeks? I don't know. Sorry. Yeah, I have a friend of mine who's into photography and she was out taking photographs of some of her holly, which again is in full berry. She's taking photographs for Christmas, but taking them now. Yeah. Maybe that's what you could do. Take a photograph. You want to be cr- creative about it. Margaret yeah. says, is it too early to slip hydrangea flowers? No, to, I, I presume what Margaret means there is to, to deadhead them, so to cut off the flowers. Oh, yeah. Uh, if, it's, uh, if she means slip, and I don't think she does, but if she means slip as in to take cuttings, yeah, it's too late, I would say. But to, to remove and to deadhead the, this year's flowers... Uh, yes and no, if you like. We've had this, we have this question a lot, Trish, and there's two schools of thought. And one is that you can cut away now any time that they go brown. Uh, and the other is that you leave them on until kind of the end of February, early March, and they act as a kind of a blanket or a duvet, if you like, for the plant to keep the, the, any frost or snow away from the base of the plant. So uh, I, would, I would say I also like the flowers during the winter anyway. I think it's a nice winter look, but that's personal. So my advice really, I think, would be if I'm to come off the fence on it, would be leave them. Leave, to, leave them till the end of February. Leave them on to the winter. Marie says, is it okay to, to cut back pontinella shrubs? Potentilla. Potentilla. Um, yeah, they are, yes, you could cut them back. Now, absolutely, sorry, I'm just hesitating. They, they flower in kind of May, June time. So normally a good rule of thumb with a summer flowering one is you could cut them back even in early spring, like February, March, because they'll flower on growth produced in the current season, if you like, as opposed to last year's growth. So uh, you can cut them, you could cut them back now, any time from now, really, until the end of February, early March. Okay, and you're going to love this one, uh, Peter. What's the best way to get rid of bindweed? Uh, you're right, I'm not going to love it. <laughs> uh, bindweed is a curse of a plant, and if I had a one-line answer, I would be a multi-millionaire. There isn't a best or an easy way to do it, I'm afraid. It's, it's a question of weakling, it, I suppose, is probably the best way to put it, Chris. You keep pulling it out of the ground. There are chemicals that will kill it, glyphosate. Uh, will certainly won't kill it, but glyphosate... Uh, which is the active ingredient and not just round up and in nearly every weed killer on the shelf but obviously there's, there's big discussions onto the safety implications of it. I'm not going to recommend that but it is out there it will have an effect on bindweed but it'll also of course uh, kill whatever the bindweed is growing through so much better really I think just keep at it by hand and I know the listener is probably kind of going what uh, when they're listening to us but really just keep taking it out by hand you will weaken it um, and that's 
that's really the only advice I have for you. I'm just keep on top of it. Keep just on keep, top just of don't it. Let, yeah, yeah. Don't let it take hold in the garden. Marie has an orchid with a purple flower. What should I do when the flower is gone? I've had it since May. I'm looking for advice on how to look after it. Well, if it's still got a purple flower, we're October, that's five months. There's some plants really for, for value, aren't they? Which and they're stunning. They are stunning. Yeah. And you know what? Whenever I'm doing a piece on, on orchid, be it at a flower show talk, our, our video online or anything like that, people always say to me, oh, they're very, orchids are very difficult, aren't they? And they're, they're the furthest thing from it. And the, the majority of orchids that we get uh, here are the phalaenopsis or the moth orchids. They're the ones you tend to see in the garden centres and, and shops. And they really are gorgeous. But they're the most easy house plant you can, you can have. They flower, uh, as, we, as we know, for five and six months. Just uh, stand them in a, in a bowl of water for about half an hour, maybe once a week. Uh, now, to answer the question, when the flower goes, if you look at the flower stem, you'll see these little nodes along the stem. They're kind of like little little band-aid on the stem, if you like, for want of a better description. The little nodules on the stem. Uh, so don't remove the flowering stem down to ground level, which is something I used to do, thinking I was doing the right thing. But no, you just remove the flower, cutting to a node halfway down the stem or some bit down the stem. Uh, and that node will produce a new flowering shoot relatively quickly. And what I mean by relatively quickly is within three, four, five months, you'll have another one. So just cut it to a node, keep watering it as you were about once a week. Uh, you can move it somewhere less, less, uh, you know, less obvious, if you like, now that it's not in flower, or you can leave it where it is. Um, and I would feed it then, leave it for about a month or two, and then start feeding it weekly with a good orchid feed, and you'll have a new flower in no time. Well done. Okay, somebody's suggesting on the holly. Somebody said, if you make a pit in the ground, put the holly in it, and it lasts until Christmas. So I'm assuming you you bury it into the ground. Have you heard of that before? I, I hadn't heard of burying it, no. But I wonder, do they mean um, just plunging it? In, in, no, put a p- no it's make a pit in the ground and put the holly in. And we could that listener come back and tell us, do you cover it in? Do you do you, do you, do you cover the pit with yeah, SGN or yeah. wood or something like that? That's a good idea, though. I hadn't heard of that one, but that sounds sensible, all right, yeah. And Jim is back with his bindweed to say, I'm digging out the bindweed and listening to you at the same time. Go on, you, Jim. Well, uh, good. Tell Jim, cancel the gym membership uh, and stick in the bindweed. And yeah. Anne wants to know when is the best time to cut back roses, bearing in mind that she still has some roses flowering on her bushes. I have a lovely one at home, uh, Trish, called William Shakespeare. It's a really rich red one, a David Austin one, and it's really actually producing probably its best flowers of the year right now because, of course, they were all rained off during the summer. So definitely leave them alone for now. Um, you can trim them back and cut them back now if you want, but I, I actually don't cut my roses back until... Uh, I make sure they're done before the end of February, but it's normally February when I get around to doing it uh, and enjoy whatever flowers they give you during the winter. Yeah, yeah, especially when they're still in flower. OK, we'll leave it there. Listen, have a good week. And you, thank you. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye bye. That is uh, Peter Dowd of theirishgardener.com. I leave you for today. My thanks to John Paul and to Sadie for taking your calls. Uh, Nick is with you for the afternoon. We're with you tomorrow at 10. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.